only Vishnu is the master of Maya, therefore he alone can give the least of the conditions. So, the Vedas, Shvetashvatara Upanishad 3.8, confirm this in the phrase, Tam eva viditva, or freedom is possible only by understanding Krishna. Even Lord Shiva affirms that liberation can be achieved only by the mercy of Vishnu. Lord Shiva says, Mukti Pradata Sarvesham Vishnu Evana Sanshayaha. There is no doubt that Vishnu is the deliverer of liberation for everyone. Krishna consciousness means to be fully absorbed in thought of Krishna and to at every moment, without any reservation, engage all one's thoughts and words and actions in the service of Krishna with the sole aim of pleasing Krishna. And Maya means any deviation from that standard. If anyone has any desire, even if slight or subtle, then to please Krishna at every moment. That is called maya or illusion. So, it seems that if we examine ourselves, it seems that to be free from Maya is very difficult because the proclivity of the mind seems to be always to go away from Krishna. Krishna says, Man mana, always think of me. He, he uh, refers to the state of always thinking of himself. Krishna refers to the state several times in Bhagavad Gita. Ananya Cheta Satyatam. Yo mam smarati nityasha. He refers to the devotee who, ananya, without deviating to any other subject, is always absorbed in thought of Krishna. And then, ananya cheta satatam, yo mam smarati nityasha. In the second line, he says the same, of this verse, he says the same thing, uh, just in another way. Those who always think of those who are always conscious of me, without any other object, and who remember me always. So like this, there are many instances in Bhagavad Gita where Krishna refers to undeviating remembrance of himself. Always thinking of me. Satatam Kirtayantomam, those who are always glorifying me, Amahatmas Krishna says. He also refers within Bhagavad Gita to Avyabhi. Avyabhicharani bhakti. Bhaktir avyabhicharani. Bhakti without any division or deviation. So if we examine our minds, we may think that it's a very difficult standard to come to. That is the standard of pure devotion. So the scripture says, one who surrenders to me easily overcomes mind. Because if we surrender to Krishna, then automatically we're not in mind. If we surrender to Krishna, that means we always think of Krishna. Then where is the question of mind? So mind is automatically overcome by one who surrenders to Krishna. The process of, there is a process of Krishna consciousness, a process to come to that standard. It's understood that the nitya-baddha, or the eternally conditioned soul, uh, does not ordinarily come very quickly to the standard of full Krishna consciousness. It's, it's, uh, it seems very difficult for us. Actually, there should be no difficulty, because it, it is the natural proclivity of the soul to always think of Krishna, to be always favorably engaged in the service of Krishna. But due to bad practice from a long time, it seems as if it's normal for us not to think of Krishna. 
it seems as if it's normal for us to be thinking of anything and all different kinds of subjects except that of Krishna. It's like a patient who's been lying on a bed for many months and uh, then the doctor says, okay, now you, now you can get up and walk around. So he starts walking around, but it's, although walking around here and there is the normal condition of a healthy body, it might seem very strange to him. For some, he may even have to practice to walk, because he hasn't done it for many months, although it's a natural thing for him to do. Or if your hometown, maybe some of you have this experience, if you're at home you speak one language and then you go to another language area where no one speaks that language, you might almost forget your own language. Say if you go to, at home you speak Tamil and then you go and live in Delhi in an area where no one speaks Tamil and everyone's speaking Hindi. Or, so you might start speaking Hindi, then you start thinking Hindi. And after some time you come back and you're struggling to speak in Tamil. Although it should be natural for you because you've been speaking it since you I had this experience myself when I was living in Bangladesh and I'd be day and night speaking in Bengali, thinking in Bengali, dreaming in Bengali. And then to get back to English I have to I, when I get, met some English-speaking people, then I had to, in my mind, translate it from Bengali before I got back into <laughs> before I got back into practice of speaking English. So, it's, of course, these are mundane examples, but it gives an idea how what is natural for us can seem unnatural due to another kind of practice. So it seems natural for us to not think of Krishna. But actually, it is natural for us, but just we've been in a different atmosphere called the material world since time immemorial, and therefore we think that not thinking of Krishna is natural. And everyone else around us thinks that not thinking of Krishna is natural. And therefore, when we do try to take up thinking of Krishna, then most people think we're crazy. Why are you thinking of Krishna? It's just like in the madhouse, if you're mad, everyone thinks that's quite proper and normal. And if you act in the same way, they think there's something wrong with you. So in the madhouse, if you act mad, then all the other mad people think that's okay. But it's mad. This material world is like a madhouse. Actually, it is a madhouse. Madness, one way madness can be defined, or, is to act in an unnatural way that is against one's own self-interest. If someone picks up a knife and starts stabbing himself, well, only a mad person would do that, because that's against his own self-interest to do so. So similarly, people in this material world, they cultivate desires for material acquisition, material position, and they think this is normal and this is good. But actually, the real thing we should cultivate is remembrance of Krishna. People don't understand that. And if someone cultivates remembrance of Krishna, you know, why are you doing that? How will that help you? If you get a good degree, MSc, PhD, that will help you. How will chanting Hare Krishna help you? To the materialistic person, that's madness to chant. Yanisha sarva bhutanam. This verse is there in Bhagavad Gita. What is night for all beings is daytime for the sage, introspective sage, and vice versa. In other words, the, what the materialistic person thinks to be right is, wrong, is 
quite opposite to that of the spiritually awakened person. Where one person sees black, the other sees white, and vice versa. So it's very difficult, it seems, to come out of Maya. Therefore there is the process of sadhana bhakti by which we gradually purify our desires by regularly hearing that life is meant for cultivating Krishna consciousness and our real self-interest is to be Krishna conscious, then we gradually come to realize that actually we have no actual activity for our own self-interest than to always think of Krishna and to serve Krishna. But of course, it's not expected that everybody come to that level immediately. Therefore, there has to be some intermediate level. We can't expect that everyone's going to immediately surrender to Krishna. So, alright, we tell people, alright then, go on with your material life and at the same time cultivate Krishna consciousness. And actually, as long as you're in this material world, there has to be some deference to the material condition. We have to eat and sleep and bathe and breathe. So the material body is required and for the maintenance of the material body, even to practice Krishna consciousness, something has to be done for the maintenance of the material body. Again, if one is fully surrendered to Krishna, then even that may not be required. Krishna says, I personally bring, I carry whatever is required for the uh, bodily maintenance of persons who are fully dedicated to the principle of always thinking of me. But for persons on a lesser level, uh, they feel it necessary to make some endeavor in this material world. And therefore, uh, devotees, they may be encouraged also, that, well, don't think that Krishna is obliged to come and carry on his head for you, your idli and sambar, if, you're, if uh, you're not fully surrendered to him. And actually a devotee who is fully surrendered to Krishna, then uh, he'll never demand anything of Krishna. But Krishna, out of loving reciprocation with his devotee, reciprocates in that way. And actually everything we get is from Krishna, directly or indirectly. Unless Krishna arranges, then there, there, is no, there, there will be no rice, there will be no rain from which the rice grows. So we are dependent on Krishna. But this world is set up in such a way that everyone has to do some kind of work. And even a devotee who is fully surrendered to Krishna may perform some work in this world just to show an example of other, to others, not to be lazy. At the same time, as, while a devotee is performing activities in this material world, at the same time, you should understand that ultimately our only business is to fully serve Krishna and remember Krishna and should maximize the activities for service of Krishna and minimize those of the material world. Uh, at the same time, we just can't completely forget the material world as long as we're living in it. So, um, as it is see that it is impractical for most people to just fully surrender to Krishna immediately, uh, which is required ultimately, and that even if people are fully surrendered to Krishna, they may, as Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, act within this world anyway to set an example for others who are not on that level. Therefore, uh, even though in pure devotional service there is no consideration of materialistic advancement. The devotee doesn't care to be a king or a rich person or a prestigious person. 
because he's fully satisfied in the service of Krishna. Although he may accept such a position if it comes to him. <coughs> so, uh, yeah, for beginners in devotional service, they, they may think, all right, well, I'll just leave everything and serve Krishna. I, I won't do anything in this material world. But then it's found that they're not advanced enough to, ma to maintain such a platform. They may have the spirit to do so. They may think, oh, oh, all right, let me be fully surrendered to Krishna. Then I won't do anything in this world. But they can't maintain such a platform. People come to them and say, no, this is just stupid. Why you take this Krishna Bhakti? It's all nonsense. And they say, okay, they're not, they're not fixed in that understanding. Or they may think that, well, Krishna says he sends food to his devotee and it's, it's been uh, six hours since my last meal and I'm getting hungry and I wonder if Krishna's really going to send something. So they don't have that full surrender. They're not actually on the platform of full surrender. So for such persons you may say, all right, you act in this material world and you also chant Hare Krishna and gradually cultivate knowledge of Krishna and love of Krishna, remembrance of Krishna. So as there may be some material considerations for such persons, then uh, that well, material, once you bring in the material considerations, it's a big panorama of topics, huge ocean of material topics. It, things get complex when we don't remember Krishna. When we, when we bring in material considerations, life becomes much more complex. This material world is very complex. So, for instance, uh, if someone is studying in a college and uh, they take interest in Krishna consciousness, we may encourage them, well, go on with your study and finish your degree and you can also chant Hare Krishna. So they can do that. There's no intrinsic need for having a college degree. There's no intrinsic need for having anything in this material world, but because most people are not so advanced that they're ready to give everything up, or even if they were, um, it might not be the best course of action, even for prosecuting their Christian consciousness to give up that college study, even though in and of itself that college degree has no value in the spiritual stratum. And even though what's taught in the college is just aimed at a completely materialistic uh, goal, nevertheless it is possible to study in a college and also be at least somewhat Krishna conscious. So we may say, alright, you do the college degree and do the Krishna conscious side by side. But at the same time, it should be understood very, or should be taught to persons who are straddling two boats at one time, the material boat and the spiritual boat. That the boat that's going to take us back to Krishna is the spiritual boat of hearing and chanting about and surrendering to Krishna. And the material boat is going to take us into another body. So although we may straddle the material boat and the spiritual boat, ultimately we have to put both feet in the spiritual boat. Although what happens often is that when the waters get rocky, or when the waters get rough, and we feel imbalanced, then people, they have to take one because if you have feet in two boats, it's difficult to keep proper balance. So when things get tough, sometimes people, they take the foot out of the spiritual boat and put both in the material boat. I can't trust Krishna, but I can trust my college degree. Or whatever it may be. That our particular attachment to material life 
entails. So, uh, we may, and that's just one example, there are so many examples. We preach to people to be responsible householders, which has got nothing intrinsically to do with Krishna consciousness. But, uh, for most people, uh, that is required to be materially irresponsible. To be materially irresponsible doesn't make one a better sadhana. So that's a misunderstanding. That by being irresp- materially irresponsible is spiritual. That's not true. It may be that out of a higher purpose, uh, a, a devotee foregoes his material responsibility. This uh, Ramanujachara here in what is now called Tamil Nadu. He was married, he had his young wife, he left her and took sannyas. So other people who, young men who don't like their wife, they may think, okay, Ramanuja did it, I'll do it. But then we see what Ramanuja did by taking sannyas. The effect of his taking sannyas is that he delivered millions of conditioned souls, both in his own uh, lifetime or pre- manifest presence, and by his teachings uh, for generations afterward. And his contribution is still powerfully felt today. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also. He had a young wife, mother, widowed mother, with no other support. Of course, there was the community of Vaishnavas. But he left them. Tyagma Sujus Jajam, Sureb Sita, what is that? Raja Lakshmin, that's described in Srimad Bhagavatam. Our Chaitanya Mahaprabhu left home. Maya Amritam, to search after the conditioned souls who are like the toy dolls in the hands of Maya. But generally that's not recommended because uh, most people, if they take, if they leave their family duties out of, simply out of frustration, without having a higher, a genuine higher purpose or the ability to act as a sannyasi in a manner that many people will be benefiting, then it's better that they don't uh, prematurely take sannyas, and then everyone will like to do that, because family life is disturbing, even in the best of circumstances, there are so many disturbances. So if, if Vaishnavism is taken as an excuse for marital irresponsibility, that will not further the cause of Vaishnavism. Having accepted that Grihastha uh, life, in most cases, it's in almost all cases, it's better to prosecute that duty until one is older. When the children are grown up, uh, the injunction is punches or vanangrajet. When one goes above the age of fifty, one should go to the forest. Of course, nowadays forest life is not very tenable. But the general idea is there that one should slacken one's family involvement and concentrate uh, more and more on spiritual activities. So there's another example. So we, we may say that, well, yes, family life is very good, but in and of itself, it's not good. But it's required for people who are at that level of consciousness, or they're in that particular social circumstance. Sannyas also, it's not, we may, sannyas in and of itself doesn't mean that one's going to be Krishna conscious. One can be a sannyasi in, in Maya also. Being, if a sannyasi is attached to his coping, and my coping, he 
becomes, then that's also my. <laughs> of course, the sannyasi doesn't, he also shouldn't be irresponsible. Whatever's entrusted to him for Krishna's service, he should look after very carefully. The whole point is to see everything in relation to Krishna. So, uh, as long as we're in this material world, there may be material considerations, but we should know the difference between the spiritual consideration of serving Krishna without any personal desire and the material consideration material considerations are unlimited uh, and we should be careful of the maya that can enter in the name of bhakti for instance if someone thinks that well uh, I'm an Indian so I understand, I, I'm a better bhakta than these westerners. Or if one thinks, well, I'm a westerner. You see, I, I took up Krishna consciousness by choice, whereas these Indians, they just, you know, they just do it out as a habit. So I'm better. So either way, you could... Or if one thinks, you see, I'm very educated, so I'm better than all these poor people who also, they're also chanting Hare Krishna, but we educated devotees are much better. Or, if you're poor and you're chanting Hare Krishna, you think, well, these educated people, they're all very materialistic, so they don't really understand Krishna consciousness. Whatever situation we're in, we always think we're better than others. This is called mind. Even in Krishna consciousness, even in so-called Krishna consciousness, we're always calculating. I'm better. I'm poor, therefore I'm a better devotee. Or I'm rich, and still I'm Krishna conscious. See, I didn't come to the for any money. Therefore I'm better. Whatever situation we're in, I'm Indian, therefore I'm better. I'm not Indian, therefore I'm better. The whole idea to think, I am better, is an illusion. One should understand that I am simply uh, insignificant and fortunate to be accepted within the society of Vaishnavas. Any other thought is mine. Now, we're talking about that balancing act between two bowls. That can be very difficult. You can imagine, if you have one foot in one boat and one foot in another boat, and the two boats, they don't really go very well side by side. If you have two bulls who are pulling a plow, and they have two different ideas, one wants to go one way, one wants to go the other way, it becomes very difficult. We've seen that... Uh, picture within the Bhagavad Gita as it is of the, the horses that are pulling the chariot. The horses represent the different senses and they're all pulling in different directions. Then how can you steer the chariot to go in the right direction? So generally the, unless we're very fixed in a clear understanding of what Krishna consciousness is, then Having our foot in the material boat generally means that we get pulled to the material side. So unless we're very strong in our spiritual practices, the tendency is to be pulled toward the material side. Or even in the name of bhakti, we may actually be practicing something which is not pure bhakti. That's why we hear the terms. Karma Mishra Bhakti, Jnana Mishra Bhakti. That, that means that we're doing the activities of Bhakti, hearing and chanting about Krishna. But at the same time, we are cultivating other desires. Anya Abhilash. Bhakti should be Anya Abhilashita Shunyam. 
without cultivation of any desire other than that to serve Krishna. But in the material sphere, <coughs> to operate in the material sphere, for materialistic people that means to cultivate material desires, just like that example of college education. Why do people go to college and study? Because they have desires. I will be an engineer. I will be a doctor. I will be prestigious. I will earn lots of money. So, someone who's cultivating devotional service can also operate in the material sphere. And they could also be studying for a college degree. Uh, and, but they may think, well, anyway, I'm doing this and uh, already I went through two years and we spent so much money. So, alright, we'll continue with it. And I may become an engineer, but anyway, let me dedicate my life as fully as possible to Krishna's service. Now, it may seem difficult, but how can you be motivated to work hard to get the degree unless you have a material desire? Unless you, unless, uh, you have that desire, what's going to make you study hard all night before the exams? If, if we understand that Krishna consciousness is the only necessity of life, then what's going to motivate us to study to get a university degree? It seems they shouldn't. Where, where is the motivation going to come from? So then we find that people, they're already studying like that, and then they, some devotees may encourage those who are taking university degrees that actually studying for the degree is also good for Krishna consciousness because well, if you have a degree and you preach Krishna consciousness then others will take it seriously or if you don't have a degree then people won't take you seriously which is true not totally I mean it is possible to be Krishna conscious believe it or not it is possible to be Krishna conscious without a university degree Krishna never told Arjuna Look, you go and get a university degree, then I'll speak Bhagavad Gita to you. Or he doesn't say that first of all you get a university degree, then you then you can surrender to me. Bahunam Janmanamante, first of all you get a degree, and then it takes a long it's a very long time to get a degree. And after many lives you get a degree, then you can surrender to Krishna. And Krishna doesn't say that. Rather, bhakti is described as sarva padi vinir muktam, being free of all mundane designations. So, it's a complex situation where people who they're not, they take to Krishna consciousness, they're not really fit or ready for full surrender to Krishna. And because they, they've been cultivating this strong material desires, for instance, to get a university degree for a long time. So it's difficult for them to give that up. Or even if they are becoming free of that desire, uh, it may not be the best strategic move to have all the university students who take to Krishna just give up studying for their degree because. Uh, then the colleges wouldn't allow our devotees to come anywhere near the colleges because their business would be spoiled. So for various considerations we may encourage people, okay, study for your degree. But at the same time, yes, yeah, so to encourage, we may encourage, yes, yes, get your degree, and then they say, yes, yes, I'm getting my degree, and then they get their degree and they say, yeah, they say I'm, a, I'm a devotee, but I'm an MSC devotee. I'm not just an ordinary, I'm an MSC. And then we created new. Well, it's already there in Indian society. The caste system is breaking down. But uh, it's not that it's broken down, it's still there. But uh, nowadays it's more like what is your educational qualification? It's the new caste system. Those who have a university degree are considered to be a better type of person. And if you have a job in a multinational corporation, 
then you are intrinsically better than someone who has their own little pan shop. You're earning more money. Even though you're working for someone else and the pan shop owner or the person who sells, sells the pan on the side of the street, which will probably soon be illegal in India because India is becoming modern and progressive and advanced. Uh, and it won't be legal to sell pan or apples on the side of the street. You have to get a shop and be registered and all this kind of thing. So uh, people think, yes, I, I work for a multinational corporation. Yes, I'm very, I'm an engineer for some uh, big Western meeting teams, and I'm very advanced. So there's a new kind of caste system, or the based on educational qualifications, how much money you're earning is considered. That's always there in human society. Those are, those of wealth are always considered better than those who don't. But in Krishna consciousness, has no meaning. Actually, has no meaning in any consciousness. It's, a, it's illusory consciousness to think that one person is better than another because they have more money than someone else. So someone is better than another because they come from a so-called higher class family, or someone is better than another because they have a university degree. But this material consciousness is very deeply rooted. And therefore, even in devotional service, where we're supposed to be free from these designations, we find that people, we find that even initiated devotees, if they come from uh, a rich family, they don't like to mix up with devotees who are simple devotees from the village or who uh, they're not very materially cultured or wealthy. They don't like to mix with them because they feel just uncomfortable in the presence of such people. They think these are servant class. Although devotee is supposed to think, I am servant class. It's very difficult to overcome our material condition. Or the educated class. You see, we are educated. We're better at thinking. I'm better because I'm highly educated. These are all material contaminations. So, uh, it's understood that everyone cannot overcome these contaminations very quickly or very easily, so we may live with them for some time. But at the same time, we have to understand that they're contaminations. If we don't, then we're in Maya. If we're in Maya, then we're not Krishna conscious. If we're not Krishna conscious, then we're wasting our lives. So, Krishna consciousness means it's a constant battle against the material energy. It's so much easier just to say, to call a truce. Okay, Maya, we'll chant Hare Krishna and we'll go along with you a little bit, you see. We'll have our degrees and our prestige and we'll maintain our material pride and we'll also chant Hare Krishna. But there's no truce with Maya. She's very tricky. She said, hey, oh yeah, okay, you go on chanting Hare Krishna and you you be a little bit in my camp also. But there's no little bit in my As long as we are not fully surrendered to Krishna, then we can go on chanting Hare Krishna for millions of lives. And Maya will say, okay, go on chanting Hare Krishna. Very good. Very good. And you just remain in my shackles, thinking, I'm very important, I'm very prestigious, I have a university degree, blah, 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 and you remain within mine. Yeah, and you chant Hare Krishna as much as you like. Doesn't matter, I've got you nicely tied up. Maya is thinking, Gunamai, tied up by the three modes of material nature. Therefore, uh, it is necessary that Preachers of Krishna consciousness, while understanding that not everyone is going to surrender immediately to Krishna due to material conditioning, 
at the same time the preachers of Krishna consciousness should repeatedly and uncompromisingly state the actual fact that Maya means anything but total surrender to Krishna. And anything else but that is Maya. It's going to bind us up in this material world. That requires to be said again and again. And people feel uncomfortable. I don't like that. Well, yeah, that's mine. We don't like to hear it. But we have, if we are at all to become Christians, we have to know that. Otherwise, in the name of Krishna Bhakti, we'll adjust everything. Adjust, adjust. The famous word in India, adjust. Everything has to be adjusted. But bhakti means to adjust ourselves to Krishna. Not, if we attempt to adjust Krishna to our material desires, that's called maya. Even if we sing about Krishna, we talk about Krishna, we, we read the books, we distribute the books, we sing as if our heart is breaking for Krishna, that's also, that can also be another kind of mind to, to sing in such a way that it sounds as if we're very longing for Krishna, our heart is breaking. But it can be just a show. So, um, yeah, it's very easy to, because most people are not going to be fully Krishna conscious. So you say, okay, then you, all right, you have a little material desire and a little Krishna conscious and encourage them because if you just smash everyone all the time, then they'll think, well, I like to go among the materialists where I can join the Rotary Club where everyone just praises each other. You see, it's called the Rotary Club. One person praises someone else, and then the next one praises someone else, the next one. They go round in a circle, it's called the Rotary Club. They all just praise each other. Mutual praising society. Mutual adoration. So, on the one hand, we have to encourage people, whatever little you're doing, Krishna Bhakti, very good. But on the other hand, if we don't make it clear that full surrender to Krishna is the only necessity of the living being, then no one will ever come to that standard. And they'll think that what happens is we institutionalize mind. And we, we, among the devotees who are highly educated, there's a tacit, that means they don't say openly, they'll say, yes, 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 we should be free of all material designations. But among themselves, there's an unspoken understanding that we are better because we are highly educated. Or among those who are from a rich families, they keep to themselves and they think that, well, we are the rich devotees. We, we are helping the temple so much. We are giving so much money. The temple is dependent upon us. So we are the best devotees. So in this way we institutionalize Maya and what the real purpose of life is to fully surrender to Krishna without any personal desire that becomes covered because we disguise uh, material desire as pure devotion. We, we learn to talk the talk. We learn to talk in such a way and to pretend that we are fully surrendered to Krishna, when actually we're cultivating material desires. Just like they say, well, I'm, I'm doing this degree, I'm not really interested in having a big, a big degree and a good job, but I'm just doing it for preaching. It's because if I have a degree, then people will take me more seriously, and we can preach, and we can make so many devotees. And it may be true, we can make so many devotees in the colleges who all think that having a degree is very important, which is nonsense. It's not pure devotional service. It's easier to preach like that, and many people may come. But the actual point of full surrender to Krishna is lost in the maya of thinking that a degree, a university degree, is in and of itself of value. And so we've adjusted, and it all seems very good and seems very nice because we're all very cultured and educated and all this kind of thing. 
but it's nonsense. So it may seem that, well, the preaching can really boom. We can bring in so many people if we just adjust a little bit to Maya. But adjusting to Maya means we lost Krishna. Therefore, we have to speak the actual fact that anything but pure devotional service to Krishna without any material consideration is not pure devotional service. It doesn't give the same result as pure surrender to Krishna. There is a difference. And however much we dress up material desire as pure devotional service, it remains material desire. And even if we don't see the difference, Krishna sees the difference. And Maya knows the difference. So this understanding has to be there. It may not be very popular, but then what's the point of being popular? There are so many so-called sadhus who are very popular. What's the use? The aim is to please Krishna. So these are some thoughts about pure devotional service and mind. We have to go on and on and again and again speaking what is pure devotional service at the same time understanding that maybe everyone won't come to that standard very quickly but if we don't speak like that then no one will ever come to that standard because they don't know that's the standard we're supposed to be aspiring for and they may give lip service to it yes 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 Prabhupada says in his books like this but we're doing like this and actually it's the same thing our cultivating material desire is actually pure because it's not really material design. We're just pretending that it's material design. But actually it's around the other way. They're pretending that it's pure devotional service, but it's material design. So be very careful, because Maya, uh, she is Bahulupini. She has many dresses. Just like a prostitute knows how to dress in many different dresses to attract the minds of men. So she knows how to dress in the dress that will attract each individual person. She knows what our weakness is and she comes in that form so that even when we take to Krishna consciousness, she comes in the form, yes, yes, you see, I'm also, I'm also Krishna conscious. Your material desire, it's not material. Why should you think that you're a material? You're a great devotee. You're pure and fully surrender to Krishna. Maya comes speaking to us like this. So we should learn not to be attracted by the sweet talks of Maya that poses as Krishna Bhakti when it's just a representative of Putana who has come very nicely dressed as if she's a great devotee, come to kill us. So if there's any question or comment about this, please proper it now. You can go on chanting for many lifetimes, the names of Krishna, hearing and chanting about Krishna and not attain pure love of Krishna. This is a quote from Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. Bahu Janma Kare Jodhi Shabam Kirtan Tabuta Na Bhai Krishna Pade Premadam It's mentioned there, it's not something I made up. So that's disappointing for you, is it? But it's, it's not just something I made up, but it's actually a fact. How does it work? Well, that was the point of the whole lecture. Listen to the lecture again, it's recorded. Bahu Janma Kare Jadi Shavaran Kirtan Tabu Tanga Pai Krishna Pade Premadam. You can look it up in Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita Adi Leela 